0: Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the event industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. We are sat in palatial surroundings, um, certainly for this podcast anyway. Um, and that's not to say that the venues that we've used before haven't been great, but we are sat in the superb hospitality and events facilities um, on site at Twickenham Stadium. Um The hospitality so far that's been extended to us is is great, so thanks to the guys here um, and on with today's episode. Um, We're going to be looking at transforming um, venues into event spaces. Um, Fantastic that we're here today because we've got a great example of that on site where we are, but let's introduce our guests first of all before we get on to talking about this particular venue. Um, Sitting in the studio, Tom Allen from True Staging joins us. Uh, Tom, welcome to uh, Talking Events. Thanks for uh, being here. Uh, we've much. got Matt Blood from Twickenham itself, from Twickenham mm-hmm. Stadium, and from the events team here at Twickenham. Correct. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, Kevin Monks from Blackout. Kevin, thanks for joining the podcast today. No problem. And joining us live on the on the phone uh, from Mobile Promotions, uh, Robin Carlisle should be on the line. Robin, good afternoon.
1: Yeah, good afternoon, Joel. Sure.
0: Excellent, right. Um, let's quickly put in context what it is you guys do. So Tom, let's come to you first of all. Tom from uh, tr- from True Staging, give us a quick overview about what True Staging uh, deliver for the industry.
2: Absolutely, so True Staging focus on event construction and production. Um, and that can be anything from uh, live event, walling, uh, and uh, structures, stages, all the way through to, to fashion shows, uh, catwalks, and uh, even Uh, shop window displays uh, and that sort of small-scale thing
0: over to Kevin tell us a little bit about blackout
3: blackout we're a specialist drape and rigging company so we do rental fabrics as well as bespoke manufactured drapes and we offer a full production rigging service as well as a dry hire of equipment
0: excellent Uh, Robin on the line tell us a little bit about mobile promotions
1: yeah, we're quite diverse, um, as, as uh, your other guests are, obviously. Uh, live events and experiential event activity and tend to focus for the purposes of this type of um, uh, conversation, I guess, in the areas of brand environments, and that's both static and mobile and temporary.
0: Excellent. And rounding our, our panel off today and our start point of today's episode, um, Matt Blood from from Twickenham, um Let's start by talking about the types of event that you can host within mm. this, this, this venue um, and perhaps a shift in how you've seen them change and develop in the in the last two, three, four years.
4: Sure. So I suppose a, a wee bit of context first. We rep or I pre- represent the teams who would sell and deliver all of the non-match day events that which take place in the stadium. So that's anything from the facility that you're sitting in now, which is a, a box full of 20 to 25 people all the way through to events where we're taking in... Um, say a 1000 plus theater style which uses our conference center through to other areas of the stadium which then are a bit more celebratory um, pitch side drinks receptions um, other elements that take part uh, that would form part of a, of a larger event but it is really anything from a small meeting through to a, a messaged
0: event effectively how varied are the actual spaces themselves and in, <coughs> in terms of what they they offer to an organizer, from being a a, a blank canvas through to something that somebody could pretty much walk into and just utilize straight away? I
4: suppose to the casual observer, um, it is an oversimplification, but the easiest way to think about it from a venue such as ourselves, or or be it an international sports stadium, it's a dedicated events venue. So the two ways to consider it are a live um, conference center which is purpose-built, dedicated for um, conferencing exhibitions smaller events larger events anything in between where the guys sat on the side of me here would would come in and, and build the necessary elements for um for messaged events anyway where there's um large staging large production elements involved uh, the other side of the the venue is then more uh, i think I was, i've alluded to celebratory type uh, venues effectively within the greater scheme of the venue so you're walking into a space which isn't necessarily purpose-built for conferencing and exhibitions, it's more either a hospitality or historic or has another lead focus of that space which is then used to a different end. It uh, has a different hook, it can resonate different messaging. Mm -hmm. um, So I think that's the line in the sand, it's either very modern, purpose-built or it's an other which can resonate different messaging be it celebratory or other.
0: And and I think perhaps the best way to move it on there from talking about Twickenham and what is in essence, I suppose, a, a fixed venue, isn't yeah. it? It, it? Despite its flexibility in the different spaces you've got. Robin, um, at Mobile Promotions, your experience uh, lies with delivering te- temporary venues. Is that, is that fair to say I'm working within a temporary environment?
1: Yes, I think the, the roots of the company are in uh, things mobile, uh, temporarily static, the structures that you know come one day and go the next or they just stay a week or, or, or whatever not all necessarily mobile um, but over the years we've developed the same sort of skills that, that uh, deliver brand environments in that mobile and, and semi-static format into the more dedicated locations like Twickenham. Uh, recently we completely fitted out a, a race course that I perhaps shouldn't name because it suggests maybe their, their, their facilities were not up to Twickenham standards but just the client wanted to use the racecourse environment as a as a uh, an activity, but the rooms, the hospitality rooms, were decorated in such a way that just completely away from the brand. So, um, complete fit out to to brand environment, and then put it back a day later to the way it was um, previously.
0: Uh, are we finding, in general, and I asked this to all of our panel today, that that, that venues with the ability to bring in various types of um, extra elements um, are becoming less pigeonholed in terms of what they used to be or people w- what people used to associate with particular venues so they would say well that venue is such and such a type of venue so I would host that type of event there are we getting people who are thinking a little bit more outside the box when it comes to identifying their venues Kevin I can see yeah, you nodding I
3: think people just need to identify space in the right part of the country so I think it's. I don't think venues have been particularly pigeonholed. I think any venue can be transformed into anything that people want. It just needs the right input from a design side of things and also from the construction side of things.
0: From a design point of view, I know, Tom, that's, that's something that the true staging work quite closely on, isn't it? Is the design element yeah. in advance of an event? How has the development in the advanced deva- design of events helped allow? spaces to be opened up as, as event venues? I
2: think it's really helping uh, people understand what they're trying to achieve in an early stage of the, of the, the project. Um, it's possible with some fairly simple design tools, uh, SketchUp springs to mind. Even the client can use it to a basic level or, or to an advanced level if they've got someone on board who can fully draw in something like that. Um, that could then be sent around to the individual parties that are part of the project and people can very quickly gain exactly the, the sort of understanding that the client had on their vision for the space. Mm-hmm. So then the vision can just get more and more complex in an early stage. So even if you've got a, a short lead time, you've got the ability to, to pull it off.
4: I think in terms of being pigeonholed, I'll add to those, is a. Is, uh, it's definitely been opened up. Um, I think maybe say five or so years ago, we, there were events that. A sporting or an unusual venue wouldn't have been considered for um, even if they had dedicated facilities now would be but it, it goes more back to um, I suppose storytelling from the events themselves being able to add a return on investment to the events themselves but well I mean what we try to do if we've done our job properly is align our clients values with that of the RFU and, and try and delve a bit deeper in, under the skin of the events themselves I think that's where We're no longer pigeonholed, so events that wouldn't have necessarily used a unique venue previously now can, and they are actively driving that and and making much more use of it. And then that's where these gentlemen, again, either side of me, come in and create and and help
3: tell the stories that they are trying to do, um, trying to tell. People are also on the lookout for that. When you say the unique venue, I mean Twicken is a unique venue, but Mm. also people are trying to find the unusual spaces. They Mm. want their event to be special to use interesting mm. location that, and that I think that's what's opened up a little bit is that people will go to unusual spaces to get that uniqueness themselves
0: and is that is that driven by the, 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 the sheer level of competition that now is in the industry and, and how it's grown
3: perhaps and, and also just trying to to not maybe not go to a similar place that one of your competitors has been to just mm. just to do something different is what everyone kind of strives for
0: and, and Robin on the line um, I mean uh, I guess you've probably got reference to to experiences of, of, of having worked in some fairly un- unusual locations, or, or locations that maybe wouldn't be considered instantly as an event site or an event venue. Uh,
1: yes, um, you know, from from a cross section of greenfield sites, some of which are, are fairly obvious, like say Goodwood Festival Field. Sorry, Goodwood Festival of Speed, to a field not far from there, which was um, used as a, a staging post for a four by four. Arrival and journey for, for guests, so it was literally setting up a, uh, a quality facility in the middle of a almost semi-plowed field. Mm. But um, just quickly, I think it was Kevin. I think mentioned um, that uh, you know the space is what the venue is all all about, and we can pretty much all of us, those of us who are great partners with our clients, do anything anywhere. And I think as an industry, you know, we've become so much more innovative and, and challenging of, of clients as well as being able to um, demonstrate the the depth and breadth of our expertise. I think the whole event industry has come alive over the last decade. And um, I personally think that's what's driving, as much as anything, the ability for us all to to deliver uh, an experience, say, in Twickenham that isn't at all related to rugby Mm. and, and, and do it with some aplomb.
0: When it when it comes to the actual hardware, the the, the physical products that are available now um, from companies like True Stage and Tom and, and Kevin from Blackout, uh, have your own product portfolios developed to a point now where you're actually able to work within spaces that maybe you couldn't have done ten, fifteen years ago, or delivered events uh, on a quicker level in terms of turnaround time?
3: I think the turnaround time has increased. I think um, we as a company have grown so that we can. Cater for the amount of business that we get at certain times of the year. Mm. And it's, as I'm sure Tom will agree and mm. Matt will agree, it's there's quiet times and there's busy times and it's feast and famine at times. So you need to gear up to be able to deal with the levels of business when it's busy. Uh, so I think that's what's improved. Um, but also taking back to Robin's point, it's it's things you know the. the the supply companies, things like temporary toilets and things have improved, so you just oh, broadens up the spectrum of places that people can use. Has your own experience as, as a
0: supplier, and, and Tom, the, the, I suppose this is fire to you as well, um, have your own experiences uh, in terms of being able to identify what could be a venue actually helped you prompt an organizer who perhaps has written something off as, as unfeasible in the first instance?
2: I think so, yeah, I think almost anything could be a venue, couldn't it? It's um, it's. Probably partly down to budget. How, many, how <laughs> many minutes in are yeah, we? Yeah. mentioned <laughs> the B <mean laughs> word. Um, one particularly exciting event I was lucky enough to work with Kevin on as well. Um, we were out in Shanghai and we transformed a shipyard with a dusty floor and a roof that was caving in into something that looked like a, a British theatre. Um, it took many months and it was a, a great project, but it's not something you'd be doing every week. You know, it's. Uh, it's something a bit, a bit more out of the ordinary, but it, but it does show you that exactly how you can transform something that you just think, well, that just needs to destroy, mm-hmm. to, um, to something really quite amazing that all the A-listers will flock to.
0: And, and we, we, we've we mentioned the budget word, Matt, mm. and um, we'll br- bring you back in on this then. Uh, when an organiser thinks of Twickenham, are, li- are they likely to write it off at the first instance because of budget and they automatically think, oh no, it's, it's far too big and grandiose for me?
4: Uh, no, actually, I, I think um, if they've considered Twicking them, they're already going down the route of a quite a bespoke event or an event that has to have some sort of return on investment, has to have a life cycle. So although there will be a finite budget of, of some sort, then no, I think it's almost the reverse. It's it's um, it's making sure we are the right venue for their messaging. If we if we can connect with what they're trying to achieve and what looks like a successful event for them, then they'll consider it. I don't think budget necessarily comes into it at that stage where it does and I suppose where we actually owe again the gentleman either side of me a great deal and all of the the creative elements of the industry is making certain elements of the events that we run outside of the the conferencing facilities because that is the the, the easy part of what we do it's purpose-built yes it's branded around client events and it's there's some very large productions going to there where it's staging the sets the branding elements of it but it's purpose-built for that so but we know we can achieve all clients and you guys can achieve that anywhere. So where it gets really, um, uh, even more important for ourselves just to make the, the unique elements work. So if we're doing something on the pitch side, the staging on the pitch side, utilizing the, the led ribbons, the, the screens, tying all of those creative elements together, making that work, making that come in on budget is the, the trickier end of it because it's, it's, the, a client coming up with something potentially so bespoke it hasn't been yet mm-hmm. hasn't been done here before and it's then for again the, the teams we're talking about here to to, de- to deliver that that's where the the budget conversations come in but at that stage I think there's been a, a, a lot of detail if they've considered Twickenham to that extent we are firmly uh, a venue that can deliver it. its own message Twickenham,
3: yeah. twickenham uh, mm. venues like Twickenham it's um, it's a lot easier for the client to control the budget because like you say, the facilities are here you, you, they have the package, they know what they're going to get. I think mm-hmm. budgets can become slightly more difficult to manage when you go to the sort of brownfield sites where people or underestimate it. the mm-hmm. security, yeah. the facilities for the crew, the how the management going to work for traffic and things, and I think that's where mm-hmm. people maybe lose track of some budgets at times, whereas in established venues, you know you're going to get a car yeah. park attendant, you know you're going to get infrastructure, yeah, is infrastructure's yes. always there, which is a great benefit for people coming into places like this.
0: Um, so th- 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 open to everybody here but uh, my own feeling in, in talking to a lot of people through this podcast and, and through other things connected with event industry news in the last couple of years certainly has been this shift in um identifying venues people have become more creative in where they're they're hosting their events who is is responsible for driving that creativity is it a collective um push is it suppliers like a couple of guys that we're, the, the, the three guests that we've got on the show today? driving the creativity forward in your own experience and opinions? It
1: might be. Sorry.
0: Come on, Robin, come on in on this.
1: Well, I I think it's a mixture to be honest. I think um, just just touching quickly on the budget because obviously it has a big bearing on it. I think budgets are are stretched now to not just the event, but either side of that and all around it. So the whole journey leading up to the the, the event itself and of course all, all the measurement tools that we all have now have to put in place to to prove uh, the return on the investment mm. um, and I, I think that that is driving choice of venues as well but I think it's all around I think some clients have some great ideas um, they need to be challenged and driven forward in, into sometimes those ideas or pushed sideways into the realization that you can't actually do that there but you could do this somewhere else and um, I, I think it's coming from a number of areas to be honest.
0: Would anybody agree that, that looking back eight years ago to the economic downturn, as uh, you know, uh, we may refer to it, uh, uh, did that actually, looking back, have a positive effect on the industry as a whole in terms of allowing event organizers to be a little bit more creative in starting to explore other options by means of actually keeping within tighter budgets, thus driving a little bit more creativity?
3: Mm. No, I'm not sure it was beneficial, but um, I think, I- I- it may have had an opposite effect. I think it may have. It, it, people may have come at it trying to save money, so you we, you end up compromising. Some pe- designers is a key one. Pe- you know, in the old days, designers would be there for the job, and they would be involved, and they would be doing the construction drawings, and they would turn up on site. And then, when budgets started to become tight, you may find that a designer would do a one-off design, and then would never be there to consult throughout the pre-production or even on the build. Mm-hmm or then a client may then take a similar design and take it on to another event and then there would be holes in that design because it had been taken from another event so i'm not i don't think there's any benefit out of that economic downturn i think if anything it kind of people shaved a little bit too much off certain things
0: and 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 matt as as an actual venue Mm. um who are you working with when it comes to you know when you say that these are my clients are you working directly with the organizers at the top end of an event are you working with agencies with with pr firms w- with individuals uh, are we talking it? at the moment currently yeah. uh, luckily a, a broad
4: spectrum completely which uh, um we have to be in a position to work with a lot of clients directly and we do and there's a lot of partnerships be it any of the top top accountancy firms um we tend to have business contacts within there but there's no way that we could deliver on the creative w- without working with production teams, with creative teams. So it's, it is a very much a broad, s- broad spectrum. Um, uh, it's, I think you d- it's a conversation away from, from this form of a podcast is that you mm. need to break it down a little too, a little too much for talking about it today, but sure, yeah. um, it, it is a broad spectrum and it's, it's multi-layered in terms of, um, I think from my perspective, it is middle level of production to creative companies. It tends to be, my most contact, so that would mm. then take in elements of, of creative to make sure it works because we're for, th- for the larger uh, events that I would run, which is um, my bread and butter, I suppose, in bringing business in, it tends to be, um, I say, a 500-person event with a, a quite distinct message which needs to be produced professionally, so y- you inevitably have to bring in and speak to and help these creative guys deliver what they need to within the venue. and. Take responsibility for making it work. I'm going
0: I'm to shift things a little bit, just to reference back a comment that um, I noted from, from earlier on in this episode that you made, Matt, about um, suppliers being able to tie in with ins- existing infrastructure in a particular um, in a particular venue or a site. Um, have Have you seen? Uh, and I suppose this is directed to, to Tom and Kevin. The the shift in 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 events actually adapting themselves in order to make that integration possible with the, with the services that you offer has there been development within the venues themselves have you helped drive any development there to allow you to integrate with them a little bit better
3: do you mean technically with your equipment Te-
0: technically with the actual equipment I mean yeah and delivery ven- infrastructure
3: venues venues around Europe are getting um, more equipped with technical equipment a mm-hmm. lot of the a lot of the venues now will have will, you know they'll carry house trust, they'll carry basic equipment and mm. there's, there's equipment in this venue that's the same so there are, I think there's been investment made in, in lots and lots of venues across Europe now, which um, which almost makes mine and Tom's involvement less, because the equipment that we used to supply uh, is now a lot of time in-house. But from a, an event organiser, that just means you get, again, going back to the budget, it's a more controllable budget element, something that can come as part of the package, something that comes as part of the, the one-off fee to the venue.
0: And, and, and Robin, are you finding that the, the, the locations that you're working in have better fixed infrastructure than they perhaps had five ten years ago
1: uh, yes can't argue that it, it's not always the right equipment and it's not always um, <laughs> operated by in-house people in the correct way you know there's always a role for the, the sort of guys you've got around you there in the studio
0: and and, and what on that subject then Matt are there people from a skill set point of view of venues uh, like twicken and bringing on people that are more experienced in certain aspects of event organization in order to be able to communicate better with suppliers with organizers is that is that something that, that that has been looked at i mean we have partnerships with um audio-visual companies um we have a an
4: on-site preferred supplier um a, and yes that that has developed where the ability to communicate with the the outside production companies and, and creative teams to make the events work has definitely Increased and we've driven that forward as
0: as really a it, as a must-have, to be honest. Um, on on that subject, I think what, while we're talking then uh, uh, about having um, preferred suppliers and partners that are coming in to do that, we're actually going to do a two-part for this particular subject because we've got a great panel of guests. We've got three guys in the studio. We've got Robin on the line as well. So we're going to wrap up this episode as part one. Um, and come back to it again with a second episode next week Um, looking a little bit further perhaps at the procurement of suppliers looking at how those suppliers are taking a more active role with the venues themselves rather than distancing themselves as i think was the case um, a number of years ago Um, for this particular episode we should thank our guests in the studio tom allen from true staging matt blood from uh, twickenham kevin monks from blackout and joining us on the line robin carlyle from mobile promotions. You can tweet any comments for today's episode at Talking Events. Watch it via the Event Industry News YouTube channel and via eventindustrynews.co.uk. For the time being, you have been listening to Talking Events.